0: I want all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We are going to continue in the book of James. Of course, we've barely started. Uh, so if you will get your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. Today we will be looking at verses 9 through 12. And today we're talking about that true faith endures trials with a proper perspective. Um, What is what is the perspective that we need to have through trials? So read with me James 1 verses 9 through 12. It says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. I think it's like 865,000 miles across. But did you know that I can block that sun out with a quarter? Have you thought about that? If I put, if now listen, kids, parents, yeah, you guys, I'm gonna get in trouble again. Don't look at the sun directly, okay? <laughs> but if you close one eye and you put that quarter up, I can block out the vastness of the sun. Because of the perspective of where my eye is and all the the science and and um and all that goes behind that, literally my eye behind it, but but it's perspective. Um where where do we see life? What alters how we see things in life? And so let's dig in and, and see what James talks about. And he gives us two examples um of what two situations of what it looks like when we need to have a proper perspective in the situation that we're in. I'm going to give you the sermon right now. If you write this down, you will have it, and you can check out the rest of the time. All right? I can't tell with your mask on anyway. doesn't block your eyes, though, so I'll know if you're asleep. So here's, here's what we're going to get today. That as we face trials, a true faith endures because it is focused on Christ and Christ alone. This is the one and only perspective to have. James gives us two situations with those who are poor and those who are rich, and then we get a glimpse of God's perspective and how that keeps our perspective focused. So there it is. Write it down. Don't leave because that would be rude. Um, and people at home would be a little confused. But a proper perspective helps us with so many things, and we're going to see a, look at how important it is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, uh, Christ and Christ alone, as we go through trials, as we go through all things in life. So this first perspective is of the poor. Uh, verse 9 says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Now, I thought through, okay, if I'm poor, what is my perspective as someone who is without wealth? What, what does life look like? What is my perspective? Uh, worried about when they can eat again, always comparing their situations to others who have more than they have, jealous of the rich, depressed, um, an attitude of giving up, or they've given up and they just, they just can't anymore. Uh, tempted to complain about everything, expecting material good. If I only had this, my life would be better. This void in my life would be filled. Uh, so that's, that's a perspective of the poor. But look at what James says that the perspective needs to be of the poor, and that is to boast in exaltation. Quite the difference of where the poor person's mindset probably would be is is to boast in my exaltation. What does that mean? Exaltation is to be lifted high. Um, When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have all that Christ has to offer, all that God has to offer. Um, we become heirs of this vast fortune. Uh, We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And we are a child of the King of Kings and have access to all of the resources that God has. So there is a vast richness in our salvation and as a Christian uh, for those who are poor. Now, it's not going to put money in your pocket necessarily, but there's this hope. Uh, There's this hope that Because of who I am in Christ, my identity isn't in what I don't have; it is in who I am, um, and that is Christ. Read with me, and we're going to jump to a few passages. Read with me, Ephesians chapter two, verses four through nine. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through nine, says, "But God, being rich in mercy," your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, wait a second. James just said that we are to boast in our exaltation. So the boasting isn't about us. It's not boasting in, hey, look at me. It is boasting and focusing on Christ, uh, Christ Jesus. In the term translated boast is, is a head held high, a joyous pride. Um, something that you are proud to be a Christian no matter what your status in life is. Um, and who doesn't like to boast? Uh, I love boasting on my three boys. Especially the moment of birth. I wanted to tell the whole world. And we didn't have social media and internet stuff back then, by the way. Um, it was just kind of coming into play. But I would have posted like multiple times a day uh, pictures of, of the boys. Um, and and as they achieve different things in school and sports and whatever. By the way, I was the loud parent on the sideline. Um, I was the loud parent at school assemblies for whatever. Um, can I tell you, it's every ounce of me. I've blown it over the years going to high school graduations. But when they ask you, please remain silent until the last name has been. Not every ounce of me wants to to be that parent that yells out. Um so there's a lot for us to boast about. Um, I love boasting about my boys. There's a pride, there's a joy that comes to me thinking about my three sons. That is the boasting that James is saying we need to have in our faith. We need to have in who Christ Jesus is in our life. Are we boasting and so pride-filled in, in a God way with what God is doing in our life? Um, are we aware of who, of what God is doing in our life enough to continue to boast and be proud of who we are in Christ Jesus? So the boast in our exaltation. Turn with me to First Corinthians one twenty six to thirty one, and as usual, I will give you all these passages at another time if you want them. But First Corinthians one verses twenty six to thirty one more of a picture of of what. James is talking about that we are exalted, and we can boast about this because of who we are in Christ Jesus, and the poor, no matter what they don't have, this is where they stand. So First 1 Corinthians 1:26 through 31 says, "For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So absolutely do we have a lot to (laughs) boast about. And are we boasting in our lives, in our attitude, in our perspective of what we're going through in life? There is no higher position than a man could want than to be in Christ Jesus uh, for eternity and and even living our life now. And all of these things that we can boast about, we can rejoice in. And I sat there thinking, well, it's not necessarily the poor. I mean, we live in a rich nation. Um, I know that there are many struggling with finances. But I sat there thinking, so, I mean, I have food on the on the table to eat. I have uh, the, the resource, resources I need to live this life. But... There are some times that I feel poor in a situation. So follow me on this. That the times I feel like I'm lacking, uh, that I don't have enough energy and emotion to work through a relationship. Uh, that I don't have the the emotional strength to get through a health situation with a loved one or myself. So sometimes I feel like I'm lacking in some of those, poor if you will, in all that. That I have to deal with it on a, on a human level. But then those are the times I need to remember that Christ Jesus is at work in our life. Uh, that God has a plan that no matter the situation, God is there that Christ Jesus is at work in that situation. But so many times I kept, I catch myself back in that mindset, that perspective of the poor, of poor old me. Everyone else's life is great. Everyone else is, is handling this situation. They don't even have to handle a situation like what I have. And I, I've i got to change that perspective. Okay, I, I'm struggling now, and I wish I had more to take care of this situation, but I don't. But I have Jesus Christ, um, and he is enough. But so many times I, th- I, I go back to that. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room. But I've got to realize I've got to keep that perspective that Christ is enough. Um, that Christ alone is enough. And Galatians 6.14, I'll just read this one to you. It says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping our focus on Christ is the main thing, the only true perspective that we can have. So James goes on. He talked about the poor, and now he's talking about the rich. Um, the perspective of the rich and the rich Need to boast in his humiliation. So here it is again this, this picture of you don't imagine someone who is wealthy to be humble. Um, there are quite a few that are, but in, in a normal, you know, I wrote, I wrote down my list of things of what is the perspective of someone with great wealth? Uh, they, they don't have any need of any physical kind. Money does buy happiness, maybe for a minute. But they've got the money, and they can try to be as happy as they want. If anything happens, they can be—they can afford to take care of it. Uh, so there's almost this, yeah, it's broken. No matter what, I'll just go buy a new one. Um, and there might even be a perspective of looking down on those who are poor. So there's kind of the worldly view of of what someone with wealth, someone who is rich, has. Um, but James says. The perspective needs to be the rich boasts in humiliation. Quite the opposite. And the rich man is tempted to glory in his wealth. Um, but James is like, no, we you need to flip this because wealth can bring a lot of problems in our life. So read with me. We're gonna jump to First Timothy six. First Timothy chapter six. Of course, I have mine marked, so I'll get to go there fast. Um first Timothy six. And I'm going to read six through ten, and then in a minute we'll read verses seventeen through 19. So First Timothy six, six through 10 says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So here's this passage that talks about the danger of, of pursuing wealth. Um, and it says clearly the love of money, so not money itself, there is nothing wrong with being wealthy. There is nothing wrong with being rich. There is nothing wrong with having money. There is nothing wrong to work hard, to save up, to invest, to have those things. Um, it is what you what you might allow the wealth to provide for you that is the danger and the snare. Um, it provides a temptation to be self-sufficient. I've got all the resources I need. I can make it through life. God thanks but I'll, you know, I'm going to live out my life to to what I have cuz I have plenty to take care of all of my needs. Um it provides a self-reliant that takes away your trust in God. Doesn't put you in a situation where you you say God I can't do anything without you. I've got to just trust you. Um it's divided loyalty. That here's God who provides so much more but eh, I've got it. I've got enough of my bank account and resources to take care of that, but it's, so it's not about the money. It's what the snares and what the temptations are with, with wealth. So first Timothy speaks of that. Let me read verses 17 through 19 of first Timothy six says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of of that which is truly life. So there's nothing wrong with wealth, but it's what the perspective, how that changes our perspective. So James is now dealing with the rich. Um, he continues on about what wealth brings. So there, there seems to be a little bit more distraction and pushing God aside with the wealthy because he added another verse on to dealing with the rich versus dealing with the poor. And verse 11, back to James 1.11 says, For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And here's what James is saying is wealth. you could take man's wealth, the greatest, the wealthiest of all of anyone who's ever lived, but when you compare that to the surpassing greatness of God the Father and the work of Christ Jesus, the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing to compare. Um, that is the humble attitude that the rich need to have, that there is nothing. And all this great, uh, earthly resources and possessions are going to, are going to go away. Uh, they're not going to last. And so it's interesting to see this perspective change that James is saying, beware of, of your wealth. It's still about Jesus Christ and staying focused on Him. And then I thought about, well, I'm not super wealthy, but man, have I been caught red-handed. With thinking, all right, I've got this situation. I have enough, and and God kind of takes a, se- a back seat to that situation. How many times, unlike being that that poor of needing needing something and and pursuing God, here I am with ah oh, God, I've got this, you know. So it may not be extra money in my pocket, but hey, this relationship is perfect. There's nothing wrong. Um, I'm just going to continue to, to work on this. Uh, family situation's great. Like, whatever it is, work is going okay. Um, and, and then we just kind of get distracted and we don't remember to focus on Christ, uh, because things are good. So here's even the warning to myself to say, all right, I might not be wealthy, but I happen to have some resources. For this situation, and God, I don't need you. I'll, I'll wait till something happens to reach out and get some extra help. That's not what the right perspective is either. Uh, so, James, again, is getting our perspective always focused on Christ and Christ alone. And how great is this picture of, of James taking the poor and elevating and exalting them in Christ Jesus, and then the rich. And bringing them down into a humble position. What does that kind of do? It brings a, a level playing field. Please know, church, that the gospel is equal ground. Um, no matter who we are, the trials and temptations are for everyone. There is no one that is that is uh, excluded from that. So here is a picture of the, the gospel being on on this equal ground for all people. Um, that all people have access to the gospel, that all people have access to Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So what a great picture of that. Let me turn, or turn with me to Isaiah. This is our last one to jump away from. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. And you might have this memorized. Isaiah 46 through 8. The verse in, or... Where James finishes talking about things perishing and wealth not, not lasting is similar and, and probably what he got from Isaiah 40. Let me read you verses six through eight because we're going to change this perspective again. A voice says cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now it's talking about our life. Um, and here's where the the core of all that we're going to see through James is it it's about our faith. Um, it's so much more in this perspective of making sure that Christ is our focus and it is Christ and Christ alone. We've got to look at God's perspective. What is God's perspective in all of this? Why is it important for him to for important for for us to focus on Christ? So read with me verse 12 again back in James 1 and we'll stick stay there. It says, "Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him." Um it is so hard to say blessed Instead of blessed. <laughs> um, but, but here's the word blessed, which means fortunate. Um, it's this quality of happiness. It's a different word from joy, but now it's this happiness in God. So let alone joy that comes from within and this happiness that comes from within, but this happiness can now be applied to any circumstance. Um, a circumstance of, of being poor, a circumstance of being wealthy. Whatever the circumstances, we have we are blessed and fortunate because of what God has done in our life. And then the crown of life. And that the crown is usually given to an athlete who has endured a race. Here is this picture of endurance that we have. Um, that we have been given by God the Father eternal life. And it, now it's not anything that we've earned. An athlete earns the crown by by running a race. But this is a grace gift given by God the Father, that we have eternal life for free. But in that relationship, we are going to go through trials. We do have the grace of God to work through the trials in our life, that no matter what, we're going to get through this. Uh, So here's this amazing picture of God loving us so much. And it's his motivation for us to go through trials, so that our faith grows, but also our love for him. Uh, it's because love truly is the the driving force to all of this. Okay, look at the very last word, or second to last word, that which God has promised to those who love Him. Why did James use love? Why didn't say um, which God has promised to those who trust Him or have faith in Him? Or obey him. It's love. Love truly is the driving force to all of this. Um, and if you go back through this section, we see love as a motivator for all of it. So go back with me. Why do we count it all joy as we face trials? Because God loves us and we love him. Why do we remain steadfast in our faith? Because God loves us and we love him. Why do we seek wisdom in time of trial? Because God loves us and we love Him. Why do we remain strong and unwavering in our faithfulness? Because God loves us and, and we love Him. Why can we boast in our faith? Because God loves us, loves you, loves you, loves everyone and we love Him. There's, when you love someone, and I'm, I'm far from being this great husband, but I love Carrie with all of my life. And the things that are important to her are important to me. The things that I do for her are because I love her. I don't do it out of being some, you know, trying to, to fit some classic husband mold. If we truly love Jesus Christ, if we are pursuing him and, and in love with Jesus Christ... The things about him and the things that he is about are are natural for us. Now we're not there. We're we're going to be far from there, but all of this work of going through trials and asking for wisdom and seeking out things those aren't shouldn't be chores. It's out of love because God loved us so amazingly, and and we love him and we choose that. And when we choose that in this relationship. The things of Christ, the focus of Christ, our perspective is on Christ Jesus and Christ alone, and we've got to be about that. We're gonna, it, this applies through all the rest of the book of James, actually all through the rest of Scripture. That's what all of this is about: is a relationship with God the Father that was broken because of sin. There was a separation, and God desperately wanted us back, and He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So that now that relationship has been restored. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, now we have access to God the Father and the Holy Spirit at work in our life. That is what it's all about, is a true love of what we have for God, but what he has for us. So that changes our perspective. It changes how we look at others. We talked about that equality at the cross. Are we truly treating those who are poor, those who are wealthy, those who are of a different race, those who are of a different country or class or position at work or situation at school? Are we treating them also with this equal love that Christ has for us? We have a lot of work to do. But there's so much more that because our perspective has changed of what Christ is doing, that we have Love for others as we continue to love him. And as we close, what does our love look like for Christ? As we face trials, a, tr- a true faith endures because it is focused on Christ and Christ alone. That is a one and only perspective to have. How are we doing on that? I've got a lot of work to do um, in every situation to stop and look for Jesus. Um And that's our pursuit. That is our pursuit from now until Christ calls us to himself or we pass from this life. That we have a God that loves us so much. He could have literally given us that ticket to heaven and said, have fun, try to make it, survive in this life, and I'll see you in heaven. No, he's all about all in with us. From the moment we enter into a relationship with him, that he's there to mold us and make us for us to look more like Christ and especially to those who don't know him and to be that witness and that example uh, to those in the world. So pray with me as we close and just thank God for all that he's allowed us to be a part of. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us in service to to just get a picture of what life looks like, that there's there's different situations that we can be in. But no matter what the situation that we're in, that we keep focused on you. Uh, that our perspective is truly a God perspective. Uh, that we see others through the eyes of Christ. Uh, Father, that you allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life greater today than, we did, than he did yesterday. I thank you for loving us so much and for allowing us to love you. Uh, that as we continue to grow in our faith. Uh, to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. amen.